0: Well, good morning, my name's Mark, and I'm the pasty, creamy guy that uh, Donna's making fun of. Uh, you'll never host again in this town. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Uh, uh, no, I, I, uh, we, yeah, we actually did get to go on vacation last week. It's probably my own fault. I, I filmed a video last week, some of you might have seen. I bragged that I was gonna come back real tan and sexy looking, so I probably had it coming that I, I was gonna get mocked for being pale. Um, but I did bring some some pictures uh, from vacation that I wanted to, to show you guys this week. There's one, uh, I think you guys have a picture of, of me first up there, I took that. Um, so I, my color kind of leaves real fast if you can't tell. So uh, that was like Tuesday. If you know, actually here's, here's the real pictures. This is our family. We had a chance to go to go down to uh, North Carolina this last week and Kristen is not in here. So I didn't bother asking her if I was allowed to show these pictures. You guys, those of you that have a wife know how it is or a girlfriend, you take a picture and she's like, take it again, take it again. You got to take like 10 on your phone so you can actually put one up online. So none of our kids are looking at the camera, but I'm okay with that because I picked the ones that I was smiling in and looked okay. So uh, there, there we are on the beach having a good time, having fun. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was good to get away we, we love you all and miss you all But obviously it's fun to, to get away this is, uh, this is the place This looks like a postcard It looks fake But this is actually um, We were down in Bald Hood Island in North Carolina uh, Some friends of ours give us a, a week in a house that they own And, and it's a golf cart only island And so you, basically all you do is wake up in paradise And drive a golf cart So it's a good life um, But this is, this is where we would go to the beach every day So uh, I, don't, I don't know how you could be stressed when you're there So that's why it was relaxing Why it was so much fun uh, and and just good to uh, to get away. Our our oldest Malachi is getting ready to start school in a few weeks, and so um, I'm having all these personal issues, telling myself I'm old and things. So just had to get away and think, and tell myself I'm still young and cool. So that was uh, it was good, and, and uh, that was that was our vacation. So uh, thank you thank you for letting us leave, and no one TP'd our house that I know of or anything. So we appreciate that, uh, and and we're. Uh, we're, it was, it was just fun to, uh, to, I, I was like on Twitter last week, like stalking movement, just looking, seeing like, what happened? Who said what, you know? And so it's cool to just see, uh, that, you know, that, that, worship still happened last week, that no one even noticed we were gone and that's how it should be. So, uh, appreciate so much all the work that, that people put in and it was cool to, uh, to hear uh, just a recap of the, what you guys talked about, just talk about being being second in the fact that 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 Jesus's death on the cross is kind of the ultimate model of that, and uh, that He made Himself second, and uh, that is that is where joy is found. And so I'm excited to uh, to jump into uh, Philippians three uh, this week. And so maybe maybe you've got a Bible there with you. Maybe if you don't know it or not, you're sitting on top of a Bible. There's one under every other chair, or so so hopefully you can you can find one there. But we want to just uh, spend some time reading. Uh, Philippians 3 out loud this morning. We do uh, lots of different things as we study God's Word and, and worship here at Movement. We'll do topical studies and different things, but this is a book study that we're in, and so we want to just um, just read Philippians 3 out loud. We value God's Word uh, just as our instruction book for life and, and where, we, where we find out uh, how we can follow Christ, and so we want to uh, just highlight that today and, and read this. Uh, Don mentioned we've been in a series called The Joy Genome, and obviously, uh, Genome kind of gives um, all of the... Uh, all, all of, you know, when, 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 a, when an organism or anything is going to have life, you know, a, a genome is the reason that I have pale pasty skin, the reason that I have red hair, the reason that my face is so symmetrical and good looking. All of those things were kind of predetermined. And so, um, you know, uh, this, this book, the reason we call it the, the Joy Genome in this series is because, um, you know, as Paul is writing this, he's saying this is what following Christ should look like. This is what's predetermined. This is the the roadmap ahead. And yet, as some of us live life as we follow Christ, as we get bogged down by things, we we don't have joy. And yet, as we look at this book, we we see that we should. And so, there's there's something in here that we wanted to just draw out in these four weeks uh, that that we can gather. And so, let me uh, let me go ahead and read this. You can follow along. Philippians chapter three starts on page nine thirteen. If you have one of these uh, one of these Bibles from the the seats there under you, but I want to just read this and 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 kind of just comb through it and. And uh, we'll talk through some, some themes that we see. So let me read this. Philippians chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Whatever happens, dear brothers and sisters, may the Lord give you joy. I never get tired of telling you this. I'm doing this for your own good. Watch out for those dogs, those wicked men, and their evil deeds, those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. For we who worship God in spirit are the only ones who are truly circumcised. We put no confidence in human effort. Instead, we boast about what Christ Jesus has done for us. Yet I could have confidence in myself if anyone could. If others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. For I was circumcised when I was eight days old, having been born into a pure-blooded Jewish family that is a branch of the tribe of Benjamin. So I am a real Jew if there ever was one. What's more, I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. And zealous... Yes, in fact, I harshly persecuted the church, and I obeyed the Jewish law so carefully that I I was never accused of any fault. I once thought all these things were very important, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the priceless gain of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I may have Christ and become one with Him. I no longer count on my own goodness or my ability to obey God's law, but I trust Christ to save me. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. As a result, I can really know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I can learn what it means to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that somehow I can experience the resurrection from the dead. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection but I keep working toward that day when I will finally be all that Christ saved me for and wants me to be. No, dear brothers and sisters, I am still not all I should be, but I am focusing all my energies on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I strain to reach the end of the race and receive the price for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us up to heaven. I hope all of you who are mature Christians will agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. But we must be sure to obey the truth we have learned already. Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine, and learn from those who follow our example. For I have told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. Their future is eternal destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things, and all they think about is this life here on earth. But we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly awaiting for Him to return as our Savior. He will take these weak mortal bodies of ours and change them into glorious bodies like His own, using the same mighty power that He will use to conquer everything, everywhere. feel like i could maybe just quit and walk off that'd be awesome just kind of drop the mic do that cool rock and roll thing right but obviously there's so much stuff in that in that chapter so much that we can learn and the reason that we want to comb through that is is because as as we read this and as as we hear paul talk about joy it sounds so easy when when he says it. it sounds like oh this guy loves god he's telling us to be joyful great let me go do that and yet, we, we think, well, it's not like that for me. It's, it's different. I shouldn't hit my mic or people might jump and freak out, huh? Uh, it's, it's not like that. It's not like that as, as we look at, at our lives. We think, well, it's, it, I have it this way, but he had it this way. And yet, this is a guy who was being persecuted. This is a guy who was in and out of prison. This is a guy who feared for his life. This is a guy who did not have it easy. And yet, he's saying, this is my life. This is who I was. This is, this is what Jesus has done for me. This is how my life has been changed. And this is who I am now. And he's having joy no matter what the circumstances are in his life. And so I want to just kind of comb back through this, this passage and, and highlight some things. Some things that I think that, that we can learn from that. And, and as we read it out loud, you know, sometimes we, we, we see something, we hear something, we remember something. And I want to go back uh, just verse by verse and, and kind of highlight some of this. And I've got to tell you, uh, as, I, as I read that this week, um, I, I kept thinking of, of one man. And I'll, I'll get to this guy in a second. But I think that what Paul is saying if you've been here these last few weeks, is, is kind of a review, right? I mean, some of us are thinking, okay, I get it. I should have joy. It doesn't matter what's going on in my life, and I should serve other people and try to be happy. You said that in chapter one. Thanks, Paul. All right, I, I took notes last week. You said that in chapter two. I get it. I get it. And yet he's, he's kind of saying, hey, guys, it's, it's me, Paul, again, kind of saying the same thing, just hoping you'll listen this time, hoping you'll get it. He's, he's reviewing, he's, he's coming at it from a different angle, he's kind of highlighting these things, and I said that as I read this, it made me think of one guy, and I want to, I want to put this, uh, this picture of this guy up, this is a picture of my dad, and I tried to get the funniest picture I could find, so, that's, that's my dad holding a chicken, just because, that's, that's my dad, so, um, it's, it's a, it's a junkie picture, I had to have it though, because, um, Growing up, he would, he would always give us advice, right? He, he was dad, and he had three sons, and so that's what you're supposed to do. You know, he's supposed to say, like, save your pennies, kids, and, you know, fun stuff like that, whatever dad say. But he would, he would always give us advice, and the, the advice that I remember is relationship advice. He would always talk about love. He would always talk about dating. He would always talk about marriage. And he, he wouldn't just say things uh, in, in one way. He would, just like Paul does in his chapter, he would, he would say something one way, you know, just how Paul did in chapter 1. Your joy, your happiness is not determined by your circumstances, but what Christ is doing in and through you. And then he would come back later and say, and have you thought of it this way? My my dad would give advice the same way, and so sometimes he would uh, he would say this because there's there's two ways to say everything. You can say something one way, you can circle back, you can review it again. He would he would tell us things like this in in super random times. I think he would do it because it's so memorable. We'd be we'd be like at Dairy Queen, you know, just like little eight year olds like licking an ice cream cone. And he he'd see this is seriously what he did. I'm not making this up. He'd say, "Boys, when you get married, you need to marry a girl that loves Jesus," you know. And you're like. Okay, thanks, Dad. I'm eight, and I'm eating ice cream. You know, he'd be like, I'll just keep eating my ice cream and pretend that didn't happen. You know, he, he would just say that at random times. He'd be like around the dinner table. Boys, someday you're going to look for a wife. Make sure she loves Jesus. Okay, Dad, thanks, you know. And, and he would always give this advice, and, and there were different times he would say it different ways, and, and so he would kind of circle back. This is one of the ways he would say it, because we've probably, we've probably all heard, oh, you should, you should marry someone. You should look for someone who loves Jesus. Sometimes he would say it like this, though. He would say, Boys, someday you're you're going to you're going to be looking for a wife and and when you are you need to find one that's exactly like your mom you know and you have that moment where you're like oh, I want to marry my mom you know and then and then you also have that moment where you're like oh that's what he means okay so i should i should have someone i should i should find someone that's that's selfless and someone that loves me and and someone that's committed to their marriage and committed to their family oh, okay yeah yeah i get that and so i could think all those things when he said find someone who loves Jesus but but sometimes you just hear something over and over again and you get a mental block and you you can't think of it anymore in that way and yet someone comes at it from a different angle and you think, "Oh, that's what he means." Okay. Here's another thing my dad used to say in his his uh, his incredible knowledge he would give us. He would uh, he would say, "Don't waste your time dating a girl that you don't want to marry. You'll just waste your money, you know. And you'll you'll play with your heart, play with your emotions." You know, we're like, "Oh, okay, thanks, dad." You know, we go back to eating our ice cream or playing baseball. I don't know what we were doing. Um Sometimes he would say it like this, though. You know, we'd just be hanging out as a family. And he would say, when you marry someone, you're marrying the whole family. And you'd look around and, like, think of some families you knew. And think of that person that has that crazy uncle. And think, like, oh, I don't want my kids to have a crazy uncle someday. You know, or I don't think I'd want to have Thanksgiving at that family. Or sometimes he'd, he'd say it like this in super random times. He'd be riding in the car. He would say, you know, boys... When you get married someday, before you get married, you need to you need to look at look at a person's siblings. Because they're gonna raise your kids to be exactly like those siblings. You know, and you'd think about this this girl you had a crush on in like middle school, and I'm like, oh, I don't want my son to be anything like her brother, you know. And so he he could say he could say things like you're know, talking about marriage, and sometimes it just wouldn't connect. And then sometimes he'd come back at it from another angle, and I'd think, Oh, dad knows what he's talking about, right? He'd say things like if you don't like being around that family, and you marry that girl, someday you're not going to like being around your family. Your family is going to become that family. He, he would just have these, these, these little things of wisdom. He'd say the same thing that he had always been said. He'd be saying the, the same caution, the same thing about relationships, and yet he'd come at it from a new angle. He'd kind of reinforce, re-emphasize, circle back, and make me think, oh, okay, yeah, he's, he's not kidding about that. We're not talking about love, about dating, about relationships, or about Ron Archer holding a chicken or anything today, okay? I promise that. That was just on the house, free of charge. But that's what I couldn't help but thinking is how sometimes when something gets said, we block it out or we don't listen or we don't don't connect or we just don't hear it. And yet someone can come at it from another angle and we can totally hear it the next time. So Paul says this. He says, whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you these things. This is chapter 3, week 3. Sounds like a broken record, right? I mean, he's saying the same thing over again. He said, said, rejoice in the Lord. Have joy. Be happy. Like, okay, yeah, I heard that for the first two. And yet he says, I never get tired of telling you this because it's that important. So if you didn't hear it in chapter 1, and you didn't hear it in chapter 2, or maybe you were blocking me out like you do your dad when he shares wisdom with you or something, hear it this time. You should rejoice in the life that you found in Jesus. He goes on to say this, for we worship we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on Christ Jesus and what He's done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. Now when I was a student pastor, I'd always say, if you don't know what circumcision is, go home and talk to your parents, right? I could just I could kind of make that joke. If you don't know what circumcision is today, Uh, Mark Matthews is back at the soundboard, and he would love to explain it to you, okay? Um, No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, you know, in in Jewish law, it had been passed down that guys had to be circumcised and different things. You know, these laws and rules, and people had to follow them so that they could could be obedient and they could be found righteous. And all of those things changed when Jesus came and, and gave his life. And so I feel like throughout this chapter... Paul's kind of sharing four things that can can take away from our joy, can distract our joy, can be joy killers. And this first one that he's saying, he's saying there's no joy in legalism. Verse two, he says, watch out for those dogs, those people who do evil, those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. They're putting attention, they're putting all of the emphasis, all of the effort on a, on a person's actions, on something they can do. And those of us who who know the gospel know that that it's only by the grace of Jesus the grace of God sending Jesus to die on the cross that we have salvation that we have life in him it's it's not because of anything we've done or anything we can do we're we're naturally just sinners we're people who who are unable to save ourselves and yet that Jesus came and, and gave his life on the cross. And so Paul is saying, don't get caught up in, in attention on, on stuff, on things, on actions, on what you can do, on who you can be, on how you can be fake and smile. None of those things matter. They're all empty. There's no joy in that. And so, one of the things that can be a joy killer is getting caught up in those things. Getting caught up in, okay, how many, how many times a year do I need to serve so that this person at church will think I'm awesome? Or, if I put up one hand while I'm singing and they see me, does that mean I'm engaged? Maybe like one and a half or two. What do I have to do so that the people in my life think that I'm a, I'm a religious person or think that I'm a Christian or think that I'm good? Paul's saying this, there's no joy in legalism, in doing those things. The next thing that can kill our joy, why he says this, verse 4. Though I could have confidence in my own effort if anyone could. Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. He's saying, Alright, you people that want to talk about what you've done and the things that you've, you've stacked up in your resume. He's like, I am the I'm the best Jew ever. I'm, I'm awesome. I've got this great resume. I've got a PhD, and I've got this, and, and I was a Pharisee, and I'm from the right tribe, and I've done all the right things. And yet he's saying. There's no good in the flesh. Saying there's no joy in legalism, there's no good in the flesh. When we put, when we put joy and we, we put good we take stock in, in who we are and how we can act and who we think we can become, it's going to zap our joy because over time we're going to let ourselves down. And we're going to find out that we are just imperfect people who are, who are saved by the grace of a loving, perfect God. So there's no joy in legalism. There's no good in the flesh. Paul goes on to say, you know, if, if anyone could be excited about these things, if anyone could boast about their own resume, if anyone could say, oh, here's why I'm the best, he's saying, I could do it. But he's saying, there's, there's just no point in that. In verse 7 he says this, talking about his past resume, his past life, and the things that, that make him great, or make him religious, or, or make him considered good by many people. He says, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith. In Christ. For God's way of making us right with Him depends on faith. Paul is saying simply, there's no joy in in legalism and on trying to stack up what you do and put it on a scale and hope that the good outweighs the bad and hope that you're good enough. He's saying all of those things are are empty and worthless, and I've done those things. I've lived that life. I've lived amongst people who compare themselves to other people and judge other people and, and try to decide where where they're going based on how they feel in that moment or if they've had a good week or if they don't feel like they've sinned since lunch or maybe if, if they did this certain thing and, and they're, they're feeling good, he's saying there's, there's no point in that. He's saying there's no joy in legalism. There's no good in the flesh. There's no future in the past. Paul's saying there's no future in the past. The things that are in our past, the things that have marked us, the things that have defined us, they're nothing but that. they're in the past because when we realize that everything else in this life, everything else that we know, everything else that we have that we've, we've tried to cling to we've tried to define ourselves with, all of those things are are worthless And when we realize that they, they pale in comparison to knowing Jesus, not just not just attending church or having a Christian bumper sticker, but truly knowing Jesus, knowing the person that we were created, to know knowing the person that we can find our hope in our peace our security love relationship joy knowing those things is greater than everything else Paul says when we when we know those things when we've said i understand who Jesus is. I understand what He has to offer, and I understand that He came not because He deserved to die on the cross, but because I deserve to die on the cross. Because I have, because I have sin, because I have junk, because I have things in my life that separate me from God. When we're willing to say, I, I understand that Jesus came and died on the cross to remove those things from my life, to take those out of, out of the way, so that I could have a clear path, a clear road to God. When we understand that Jesus came and died on the cross for our sins so that we could have life so that we could know God so that we could experience love so that we could experience peace when we understand that when we place our faith and our hope and our trust in Jesus and his work on the cross his death on the cross that's When we've let go of our past That's when we've embraced the future And said I used to be this person I used to have this junk in my life I used to be defined by this I used to let these things get me down I used to let these things depress me And people used to All of those things That we're distracted by All of those things are in the past Paul's saying there's no joy in legalism There's no joy in judging other people There's no good in the flesh Because we're all on the same playing field He's saying there's no future in the past because once you've met Christ, you're only looking forward. You're only looking toward the future, and you're only looking to live for him. Paul says this in verse 10. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. How did Paul have joy as he wrote this book? From prison, how did he have joy? as he was being persecuted, as his life was being compromised, as people were looking to to stab him in the back and arrest him and beat him up and and do all of these things. Because he understood that his life was found in Christ. And by, by sharing in earthly sufferings, earthly persecution, he was becoming one with Christ. And he had given his life to Jesus. The Heading over these last verses says, pressing on toward the goal. And Paul said this, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things. He's not saying, yay, I'm the greatest Christ follower of all time. I'm so perfect. I'm so joyful all the time. You guys don't even know Jesus like I know Jesus. Let me tell you how perfect I'm in. He just says this, I press on to possess the perfection of which Christ Jesus first possessed me. He's saying, every day when I wake up, I leave a little bit more of myself behind. The, the selfishness, the, the joy that I found in legalism, the distractions, the relationships that I put in front of Christ, all the things that, that kept me from following Him, all the things that, that I couldn't leave in my past, every day I'm letting go of those more and more. And he's saying every day I'm changing my behavior, I'm changing my attitude, I'm changing my mindset, I'm changing the actions that people see in my life so that they see discipline so that they see me pursuing Christ and wanting to be like him and so that they see me being changed He's saying i i'm working at this i'm i'm pushing i'm taking steps he says no dear brothers and sisters i have not achieved it but i focus on this one thing forgetting the past and looking toward to what lies ahead i press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which god through christ jesus is calling us i love those verses because you've already heard it said today that, that our vision here is to be a movement of people finding their way back to God. We're not saying that, that in, in one moment everything that you've ever done in your life is, is magically erased from your mind. When you, when you give your life to Christ, everything is forgiven. Everything is, is taken away and, and wiped clean. And yet sometimes we have, we have memories or we have consequences or, or repercussions that, that exist in the future of things that we've done. And yet... We're constantly striving to say, I've put my faith in Christ, I've trusted that His Son Jesus has died on the cross for my sins, those things are gone, and now I'm running toward Him. I want to be like His Son, I want to be like my Father. I want to change my life, and I want to see my life changed. And these verses remind me of our vision so much, because as we find our way back to God, we see ourselves changed. We see our lives changed, we see our habits changed, we see our relationships changed. We see our marriage change. We see the way that we parent change. We see the way that we we work, the way that we, we treat people. All of those things are changed. We're a movement of people finding our way back to God. That happens in the moment that we give our life to Jesus, and yet that happens for the rest of our earthly lives as we try to be more like Him, and we work to know Him and give more and more of our will and ourselves to Him. Paul says there's no good in the flesh, there's no future in the past. He also says this. There's no righteousness apart from Christ. He says, For I've told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, there are many whose conduct shows that they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. They are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things, and they think only about this life here on earth. You guys probably have friends like that. People whose greatest joy in life is is telling you about the corona they drank last week. And you think, congratulations, you had a corona in a pool in Cancun. Awesome. That's that's not what life is about. I don't mean to say if you go to Cancun and have a corona that you're a bad person, alright? Here's what I mean to say that there's more to life. That once we understand that Christ came and, and gave his life for us so that we could have life in him we have to live for that. We have to live because of that. Paul's saying there's people in the world who, who are always going to brag about sex and about money and about their position and about their wealth and about their status and about their things. Conquest and the life that they've lived. And he's saying those things are great, but if you're going to have joy and live with joy and follow Christ and find your way back to Him and look more and more like Him each day and be changed by Him... You can't be distracted by legalism. You can't be distracted by thinking that you're good enough. He's saying you can't be distracted by thinking that you're, you're righteous. He's saying there's no righteousness apart from Christ. And so once you've given your life to Christ, once you've been changed, you have to live like a citizen of heaven. Your life should look different. You should think different. You should act different. Verse 20 says, But we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly awaiting for Him to return as our Savior. He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like His own, using the same power with which He will bring everything under His control. And so how do we have joy? We regularly focus our mind on themes like chapter 3 here. Because the more we live life, the more we get distracted by things around us by people and circumstances and stuff and things and legalism and rules and flesh and all of the the stuff that we see those things matter but they only matter as we think to eternity people on earth matter because they're eternal beings and we should want to see their eternity spent with God living for him worshipping him given to him devoted to him because we're citizens of heaven so sometimes we let our joy get robbed sometimes we get distracted by things around us sometimes we let things kill our joy and sometimes we just find ourselves taken off guard but if we're going to be a movement of people finding our way back to God people should be able to look at us and see a difference they should be able to look at us and see you know what those hundred people from Hilliard they're kind of crazy they don't. They don't. They don't talk like everyone else. They don't. They don't act like everyone else. Their marriages look a little different. Their parenting looks a little different. The way that they they talk about work is a little different. The way they view their finances is kind of crazy. I don't know what's going on with them. People should be able to look at us and see a difference. It's exciting for me to to think back of what God has built in the last year as a church. It's just a few months ago there were twenty of us meeting in a classroom talking about hey we'd like to have this church and maybe it could look like this and. Oh, we got a logo. Yay, we're cool. Okay, let's, yeah, let's try and do this. And yet God is, has been faithful to, to see a, a movement built. We, we talk about a movement every week being, we want to be intentional, we want to be contagious. The gospel of Jesus is intentional. The gospel of Jesus is contagious. And so it's our job sometimes to, to just get out of the way and let that spread. Sometimes when we put ourselves in the way, we can, we can bog down the gospel. We can bog down our joy and we can, we can be distracted and we can, we can let those things get in the way. If we're going to live life as people who represent joy, if we're going to live life as people that look different, we can't be distracted by legalism. We can't be distracted by others, by things of the flesh. We can't be distracted by our past or where we've been and let those things drag us down. We can only have our eyes on Jesus. And we can only have our eyes on, on the grace that he shows us when he dies on the cross. And we can only have our eyes on the fact that he makes us righteous when we put our, our faith and our hope and our trust in him. And yeah, that's, that's kind of a review. It's kind of chapter 1 and, and chapter 2 over again. And yet Paul's saying, hey, have you thought about it this way? I'm not just telling you to, to go have joy, have joy, be happy, be happy. He's saying, watch, watch out for doing this, because this can zap your joy. And this can take your joy. And this can kill your joy. And this can distract you. And this can take you off course. And this can just leave you upset and and feeling broken. He's saying, watch these things. Remember who you are in Christ. Remember where your citizenship is. And remember who you're trying to be. Who you're running after. And find joy in that. As as we do that, as movement churches build, people will notice that. People will see that our community will see that our city will see that. And we will see people be changed. We will see impact made. Maybe it's your maybe it's your first week here. You're looking around, thinking like, "Okay, I've been here once or twice. I still don't know anybody." There's people in this room that I don't know. I'm not gonna lie. All right, so don't come up to me afterwards and say, "Hey, what's my name again?" Just to mess with me. All right, I'll say, uh, "I don't know, buddy. How you doing?" Or something like that. You know, um, there there are people here who are who are new. There are people here. Who are, who are looking for a church home, who are who are thinking about what does it mean to follow Christ? What does it look like to give your life to Him? I invite you to be a part of that with us. Like I said, we want to be an intentional, contagious movement. We want to be a movement of people that that display joy so that people can see that in our lives and so as we live that out, the world is impacted and the world is made different. I'm going to spend some time uh, singing a song and I want to just say one more thing. If, if you have... If you've never thought about what it means to be found in Jesus, to give your life to Jesus, to have relationship with Jesus, there's no better time than, than this morning to think about that. You don't, you don't have to have a really tan guy up here talking, alright? You don't, you don't have to have a piano playing or any of those things. At any point in your life, you can understand that God's word says that, that we all had junk in our lives, we all had things in the past that separated us from God that held us back and yet Jesus came and died to remove those. Jesus came and died for our sins, to remove those distractions, those things, and to give us a path to God the Father, to give us a relationship with God the Father. He died so that by putting our faith in Him, we could have life. If you understand that, and you say that you want your life to be devoted to that, that's not a light decision, it's not not an easy thing, and I don't want to pretend it is, but it, but it is pretty simple as a concept. You're walking one way, you're doing one thing, and you say, you know what? I'm not, I'm not going that direction anymore. I'm, I'm now, I'm walking for this guy, Jesus. I understand that I can know him, that he loves me. I want to I live for him. You do have to change direction, but it, it's a simple concept. If you want to make that decision today to trust Jesus with your life, to give your life to him, to live your life for him, I would love to talk to you more about that. The guys at the next step table would love to talk to you more about that. If you've you've just forgotten what it looks like to follow Jesus, you've become distracted, you've let legalism and and, and different things, people, circumstances, take your joy. Maybe today you just want to spend some time singing and worshiping to God and saying, I'm not going to be distracted by those things. I'm not going to let those things kill my joy. I'm going to remember that my joy is found in my relationship with Christ. Let's spend some, some time worshiping. Let's spend some time with God. Let's sing together and, and just remind ourselves of, of the joy we have in salvation. Let me pray for us. We can sing together. God, thank you for today. Lord, thank you for the chance to be together. Lord, thank you for the reminder that Paul gives us to be joyful. God, I'm sure the church in Philippi kept thinking, all right, you can said it, you've said it over and over, I heard you the first time, thanks, yet Lord, we need to have joy in you, we need to be found in you, and we need to be excited about that. God, it's exciting to be together today, to be in a room of many other people who are found in Christ. God, help us to just have that joy in our lives. Lord, to display that joy in our faces as we sing as we go from here as we live life as we work as we interact with people help them to see the difference in us help them to see that we're not defined by our circumstances Lord we're not distracted by legalism we're not distracted by by thinking we're good enough Lord we're we're consumed and obsessed with living for you God when we live for you when we run toward you when we give ourselves to you Lord we're filled with joy we're changed people can see that. He'll be with us now as we worship. Help us to sing with, with full hearts as we continue our Sunday work. Amen, I pray.